So you're in a, a meeting at work where they're going to examine whether they, what they do with a proposal, whether they accept the proposal or not. You're sitting in the meeting. Ever had that happen? Or, or let's say you're, you're at a middle school or high school track meet and you're watching a race go on. Or let's say that you're waiting and they're about to make an announcement about whose entry is going to be the winner of the arts festival. This is probably true for you, that you engage with that moment in a fundamentally different way if it's your proposal that's being talked about, right? Or if it's your kid who's running in the track meet. I've endured three, four, seven hours of track meets for 20 seconds of being involved. For it may, The thing that makes the difference is whether you're, you have an entry in the contest or in the art show. You, you engage with what's about to happen very differently based on that, don't you? Well, that is exactly the difference between somebody who attends a worship event, and somebody who experiences the phenomenon of worshiping the Most High God. It's the center of what we've been talking about. So today concludes a very short window into something, but that is very, very um, significant in my spiritual life and, and I hope in yours. Now, I'm just going to tell you straight out, there's an agenda that's been behind this series. My, my desire has been that we wreck you when it comes to your worship. That's what we want to have happen. That, 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 you, that something happens through this, that God does something here that you approach and understand what it means to worship and you engage in it in such a different way that it's forever changed and transformed. That's, that's a lofty hope, right? But that's still my hope. Honest to goodness what it is. And so what we've done is we've tried to say, how do you shift from, the, from some, being, worship being something that you just kind of either endure or don't understand or just kind of participate into something that you have an experience in. And we started in John chapter 4 when Jesus mentioned the phrase that gets used a lot that what God is looking for is people who worship in spirit and in truth. We said, what does that mean and how do you do that? And so we gave you, can, can I just say this, if you take any notes or if you, try, if, you, if you can only remember one thing from this series, it would be these three things that we gave you from the very first week. Because I honestly believe that if these three exercises happen in a human soul, it changes the way that soul worships. And this is what worship in spirit and in truth could be summarized to say. That what happens is you worship in truth when you hold up a truth statement about God. What these guys have done is they've provided us what writers of songs often do. What scripture does, it provides us with a truth statement about the character of God, about the personality of God, about the presence of God, the power of God, the provision of God, the protection of God, or about our response to that. And we hold up a specific truth. You make, there's a statement that's been given to us that's true. It's true according to his word. It's about God. And then something happens from the inside of us. We don't just make, reiterate a statement. We don't just say, yeah, that's a truth. We then couple that with, with something. We attach we, you attach your specific situation to that truth. Here's what's going on in my life. Here is how that truth intersects with the feelings I have, the issues I'm dealing with. What's the specific thing that's happening in your life that that truth touches? And then you take that coupling, that combination, 
and you consciously express it directly to God. Consciously thinking about that he, you are, he's the audience and you, you lift up your life and that truth and you present it to God in a spirit of submission and surrender to him. When you do that, if you do that, I personally believe that you will have gone a long, long way toward experiencing what it means to worship the Most High God in spirit and in truth. I th- believe that it will, that changes fundamentally how I worship. And I can tell you that in any given worship service or any given mo- worship moment, I come in and out of doing that. Let's be honest. I, there are days where I'm better at it than others. There's, there's times when I'm not thinking about it. But even if it happens one time in a worship moment, you have engaged with something that has an effect on your soul. And that, why I'm passionate about this is because I personally believe, and the Bible is very clear about this, there are things that need to happen in our soul that only happen when we worship. There's healing that happens. There's empowering that happens. There's the, the infusing of what the Holy Spirit does in a life that happens when we engage with God in worship. Something significant happens when we worship. And so what we've been trying to do is, is put that into practice. And what we've done the last couple of weeks, and we're going to do it one more time today, is kind of walk us through a little lab experience. Because it's one thing to talk about this. It's one thing to give you some concepts. And it's another thing to say, all right, how does it work? In the moment, can we practice it together? So one more time, we're going to do that. And what we're going to do is we're going to give, give you a part. We're, going to, we're choosing one song as a vehicle that we've done around here. And we're going to invite you to think about it or hear some of the words. And then we're, we're going to put the, those three steps into practice. And when we get done, we want to use that as a vehicle and say, now let's see how it works. Let's see what we can do with that. So, we have a song around here that um, it actually has uh, some special significance to our church. I'll explain that toward the end, right? And it's a song we've done for actually for a number of years. And the song is called Not To Us. And here's what we're going to do. Dan's going to do a little bit of the song. You're invited to listen or you can sing along with just a section of the song. And then we're going to take that section. We're going to do a little lab. Talk about what do we do with those three things? How do they work? Here's the first part of the song, Not To Us. Before the world we have, we turn it back. There's a better hand, it's not for me, it's all for you. Let the heaven shake and split the sky, let the people clap the hands and cry. It's not. just heard a truth, a, a, a series of, of truth statements. And, and what I want to do is show you what the truth is that you just heard or that you could say. And I'm going to start with the second of those truth statements that you just heard where it says, let the heavens shake and split the, the sky. And then it, go, it, it ends up by saying, it's not for us. Because that truth statement that starts with this, uh, this is a general recognition of truth, that something is true. And here's that truth. Ready for this? Everything in existence, exists for a singular purpose. It is to give glory to God, its maker. Everything that exists, exists for that purpose. The very purpose of all of life, everything that breathes, everything that moves, everything, all, every molecule of creation exists 
for one purpose, and that is to, to glorify God. And you, what glorify means, it's going to, it's go, it exists to reflect his character. It exists to accomplish his purposes. It exists to amplify his renown. The Bible is full of statements, and a lot of the worship songs of the Psalms say this. Psalm 19, 1 and 2 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. This phrase, day after day, it means the process of the cycle of days. As that happens, something is, it's doing something. Day after day, it's pouring forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. In the New Testament, Romans chapter 11, the Apostle Paul says, Okay, understand this. From him and through him and to him are all things. And see what the next phrase is? To him be the glory for that, forever. So let the heavens do understand that, that everything exists for a purpose. There's, sometimes you hear the phrase, it's so-and-so's world, we're just living in it. Have you heard that phrase before? And I just did a search, quick search uh, on the internet. For, in the last month, where are some major publications that use that phrase and who, they, who or what they put in it? And here are some of them that, that came in there. It's Nicki Minaj's world, we're just living in it. It's Beyonce's world, we're just living in it. It's China's world, we're just living in it. It's Martha Stewart's. It's Marvel Comics's. It's Google's. It's Pixar's. It's The Walking Dead's world, we're just living in it. All those were used just in the last week or two to describe to make a fun statement. But here's the reality. Here is the truth that we are holding up. That it is the Most High God Almighty's world, and we're just living in it. Everything that exists, exists for His purpose. What you see, what you feel, everything around you, it's not, do you see that? It's not for us. Collectively, it's not for us. It's all for Him. It's all for you. Now, that's the first of those true statements that comes out. And here's the second one, which is the first one that, we, that you saw. It says, the cross before me, the world behind. It says, no turning back. See, what that does is it takes that general recognition that this, everything exists for God's glory and now personalizes it. Uh, this is a statement about me as a person. That everything, if that's true, think about this, everything in my existence exists for one purpose. It is to bring glory to the one who made me. Everything about me, everything around me, it exists for that purpose. It's not for me. It's all for you. The song makes that statement. And that, when, when that statement is made, it reflects a, um, a decision that when we enter into the presence of God, every one of us consciously or subconsciously can make. And the decision is that the decision that needs to be made Because there's a difference between the statement that says, I need God in my life, and a statement that says, my life needs to be turned over completely to God's glory. That is a huge difference. Can I put it this way? This might have happened today. Two friends decide they want to go to, it's time to go to church. You know, it'd be good to go to church. I need to go to church. Some of you have said that. Some of you are here today, because maybe even recently you just said, you know, I don't know, but there's something in my life. I, I, I just feel the need to go to church. Two friends decide that they both want to do that. Yeah, me too, me too. And they walk in the door. But those two friends can come in saying the same words, but there's a decision that each of them made. Friend one says, when they say that, 
What they're saying to God, about God is, I need him to do some things. I, I need him because I need them to, something's cleared up in my life. I need, I need him to fix some stuff. I need him to inspire me. I need him to strengthen me. I need to make him, make him to make me feel better or more positive. I need him to make my story better. I want to suggest to you that many, if not most, of people who walk in, that's where they, we land. That I want, I need God in my life. Person two walks in, and what they're saying is, I need to surrender. I, I need to submit everything because it's his. It's not mine. I've got ideas and I need to let them go. I need to open my hand and I need to die to my way and my will. I need to absorb my story. I don't need him to fix my story. I need my story to be absorbed into his story. I need him to be the center of my life. I need to do what he wants. I need to lose my will into his. Now, you got a Bible? Take a look at Luke chapter 9 in the New Testament. This is what Jesus was talking about. This decision, these two people who both say, I want to be with God, or I need God around me, or I need God in my life. Luke 9, 23. Jesus said to all of them, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, and he has to take up his cross, which is a picture of dying to something, dying to himself, and follow me. Because whoever wants to save his life, can I say, person one, needs God to save their life. Whoever wants to save his life, they're going to lose it. But whoever loses his life for me, person two, friend two, will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, but yet lose or forfeit his soul? Now, if you skip down to verse 20, uh, 50, uh, 59 of the same chapter, he kind of restates it a certain way. Because people come up to him saying, I want to follow and, and Jesus says to another man, follow me. And the man replies, okay, but first let me go and bury my father. Now, he's not necessarily saying you can't do this kind of stuff, but there's a mentality there. I got stuff to take care of. Burying my father would generally take two to six months. It wasn't, I got a service to do. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I'll follow you, Lord. First let me go back, say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back to fit, is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. That seems like a strong statement, doesn't it? But that's the difference. When we say the cross is before me and the world is behind, that statement that says everything that exists exists for his glory, and I have decided that my life, everything that I, is my future, my past, everything that exists in my life exists for one purpose, to glorify God. So we make that statement, the cross before me, the world behind. Now, Jesus said this about those who, who make that decision. This is in Matthew 19. You can look here. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. So, so we start with a truth statement. A truth has been presented. Everything that exists, exists for God's glory, including my life. And now what you do, if, you want, if we want to worship, is we attach our specific situation to that truth. 
And the way you attach that to the situation is my way to do it is to ask, let me just, I'll ask you this question. Which of those friends are you today? Which one did you walk in feeling and being? And are you willing? Am I willing in this moment to, to, make, to make that decision and affirm it to say to God, the things that are in my life, I'm bringing them to submit fully, completely to your power and your authority and your will. If you're still in Luke, take a look at a few pages further in Luke 14. Verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with him. And turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me, does not hate his father and mother, his wife and his children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. When you attach your specific situation to that, there is a statement that says, I exist for the glory of God, and therefore I'm going to bring my life into him, and I'm going to present it. And then you consciously express that directly to him. I've made this decision. Some of the parts of the song reminds me of an old song. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. It's one thing to say, okay, that might be true. But then you say directly to the God who is the audience, I am here to tell you I recognize the truth, I submit to the truth, and I declare it to you. This exists for your glory. I exist for your glory. I've made that decision. So, you start with that. And then it builds from there. And now we get to the next part of the song when we say this when we worship. Take a look. The only place for those who know it's not for us, it's all for you. Send your holy fire on this offering, let our worship burn on the world to see it's not. Now, this is where worship gets prickly. This is, this is where it's, you, you don't become just passive in statements because here's what happens. Here's what you just heard, the truth statement that you just heard. It's, it's basically based on this. If it's all for him or since it's all for him, here's something that's going to be true. Our hearts and our heart, by hearts, it, the, the Bible uses this term, our hearts are the control center of our life. They are the will center of our life. They're the things that decide what we're going to do, what we hold on to, what we will demand. Our hearts are going to do this. They're supposed to unfurl before your throne that represents his authority, his supervision. It's not for us, it's all for you. What what that means is that our hearts unfurl is there's a statement that says, okay, here's the statement. Because I exist for your glory, there's something that needs to be true of me. That the things I'm brought in holding on to, the plans I have, the agenda I have for my life, the hopes, the dreams of my life, the things I I want to will to have happen, they're going to unfurl. It's a picture of, of opening it up, opening our hands, presenting them, releasing them. We read earlier in, in Luke 9, but I'll just give you this part again. He said to them, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. It doesn't mean give up chocolate for a week. It means 
Denying myself means I got things I want to see happen. I got legitimate hopes and desires. I got things that I want to pursue. But, God, but Jesus says, if I want to really live out what it means to follow him, then I got to take those things and I have to submit them and release them. I have to die to them. That's the word picture that comes up here. Take up his cross, which means put them to death daily. It's not once for all. It's again today to decide. You get to do what, I, what you want in my life, God. And here's another way of saying it. You have my permission. He doesn't need your permission, by the way. He doesn't need it. He can do what he wants. But for your will to unfurl is to say, I submit. You, you have my permission. I, I want to cooperate. I will, I will transfer my trust from myself and my agenda, my hopes, and all the things I'm hope, holding on to, and I'm ready to lay them down and say, your will, even if it doesn't match mine. Because the one who wants to save his life, this is not just keep your heart beating. This is preserve the things that you have as an agenda in your life, the things you really want to have happen. The one who wants to do that will lose it. And the one who releases it, he'll find life. So our hearts unfurl before your throne. It, it follows then that there's, there's a sacrifice that happens. Ro- Romans 12 talks about it. You'll see that in a minute where it's like, okay, because he's purchased me, there's only, there's the only place for those who know you is to come before your throne and open their hearts. To, to give my life as an offering. And it's not a dying offering, it's a living one that says, I'm going to walk around and what I'm going to do is present my life to you for you to do what you want. So there's a sacrifice involved in it. And so, so we see that this part of the song says, send your holy fire on this offering. Let our worship burn for the world to see. And Romans 12 says it this way, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, he, he gives us life, he buys us from death, he makes us eternal living beings. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. See, living sacrifices, this isn't just money in the box. This is what I function and do. This is your spiritual act of, get it, worshiping. John the Baptist put it this way, real simple. He has to become greater, I become less. And then to make that a public association says, okay, let, I'm, that, the, state, the true statement is my life needs to be submitted and the world needs to see it. And so there's an unashamed part of that for the world to see. I'm unashamed. Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jews, then for the Gentiles. I am not going to be ashamed. I'm going to go on the record. I'm going to go out in the open and I'm going to say, here it is. This is what's true. Here's the truth statement. My life has been bought by the one who, who should be glorified by it. Now, here's what we do. Are you ready for the prickly part? This is, what, this is where worship will tug at something in you because that you can lift up that true statement that says, my life exists for your will to be done in it, but then you attach your specific situations to that truth. And the way that happens is to ask yourself in the moment, and I'll ask you, what plan of yours, what hope, what, a, what a, a dream or agenda are you clutching to most tightly right now? What is something that you say, 
Hell or high water, I'm going to pursue this. This has got to happen. This has to be true for me. I, this is what I, I want, and I'm not, I'm, not, I, I'm not giving up on this dream or this hope. What is that thing for you? When you understand what that is, you know what it might be? It might be a job that you just really feel like or a promotion that you just have to have. It might be a relationship that you say, I've got, this has got to work. This is going to work. My life will not, it might be entering a relationship if you don't have one. It might be conceiving a child. It's a longing, it's a legitimate one. It's a, it's a hope of the heart, but it's something that says, oh man, I, this has to happen. It's may, maybe, it's, it's a plan for your child. It's a plan for your life. It's, it's something that, it, it's, a, it's a pursuit that you're after. Maybe it's a possession. Maybe it's a habit. And you say, I'm not giving this up. And then the question comes, so when I say, my life is not for me, God, you do whatever you want with it, and I'm clutching that. Am I willing right now to say to the God who makes me, you know what, this is what I want. But if, God, if your glory, remember the purpose? If your glory is better enhanced, if you decide, God, not what I decide, but you, if you decide your glory is enhanced by that not, never happening in my life, or you taking that prized thing away from me. Some of us in the room are feeling the loss of something really important that's being taken away from us. God, if you, if, your glory, if you decide your glory is going to be enhanced by that, then I'm here to say I release it. I don't have to like it. I don't have to act happy about it. It could pain me. But I'm coupling my pers- my specific situation with that truth. I'm going to bring that up and, re- and I'm going to say that's what I'm willing to give. Not my will. Not to me be the glory, but to you. And then the third part is to, say, to present that consciously, directly to God. To look toward Him and say, here it is. I don't want to do this, but I trust you. And I die to myself so that your will can be done in my life. Can I tell you that most of us will not worship to that degree. Because we're not convinced that our way isn't best. We know what we want. We know what we've decided is best. We know it would wound us so deeply that we don't know if we could trust God. But that's the test of worship. And that's what comes out in this song. God God makes that invitation to us. And then we say to him consciously, I express it directly to you. Now, Once we do that, watch what happens next in this worship song. In the next part that we say, and and you're going to notice something that happens all over in the Bible, but watch what happens here in this very simple part that comes next. your Bible, look at Psalm 148 with me. Right in the middle of your Bible. Psalm 148. If it's electronic, it's in the middle of your electronic device. Psalm 148. 
There is a dynamic that's so fascinating about the call to acknowledge that God, everything exists for God's glory. And the Bible does this set multiple times. What it'll do is it'll, it'll, there'll be this call that says, everything exists for the glory of God. Now, everybody line up on a roll call and show us how you're showing that to be true. And what it'll do is it'll follow this progression where it'll talk about the created beings and the created nature around us, and it'll go down the list and say, watch, this thing exists for the glory of God. This thing brings glory to God. This thing brings praise to God. Look at how Psalm 148 says it. So when you see the phrase we we heard, the earth is shaking, the mountains shouting, and all the things happening in nature, look at Psalm 148. And this uses the word praise or exalt or bring glory to God. All right, so there's a declaration statement at the, in Psalm 148.1 and says just a, kind of a blanket statement. Okay, everything, everything under creation, here's your call. Stand up and reaffirm and, re, and show that you exist for the glory of the one that made you. So it says, do that, praise the Lord, from the heavens. So everything in the, in the heavens is designed to do that. Everybody, all, the, all the things in the heavens line up and show that you declare the glory of God. Then it says, praise him from the heights above. Praise him all his angels. Praise him all the heavenly hosts. So the angelic beings, take your place, show up and say, yep, that's why I exist. For the glory of God, I'm bringing praise to him. Then it says, sun and moon. Praise him, sun and moon. It's kind of coming down, right? Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him all you shining stars. Praise him the highest heavens. Then now the waters above the skies. Praise the name of the Lord. Let, let them praise the name of the Lord. For he commanded and they were created. He set them in place forever and ever. He gave a decree that they will never pass away. Praise you, the Lord from the earth. Everybody line up, all the created beings. Great creatures of the, all the oceans and depths. Lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds uh, that do his bidding. Mountains and the hills. Okay, now we're down to the street level. Fruit trees and cedars, wild animals and cattle and small creatures and flying birds. And then it gets to this one. Kings of the earth and all the nations, princes and rulers, young men and maidens, old men and children. Do you see what just happened? God called a roll call. And he said, we, everything was created to bring glory to God and to submit its will to God's glory. And they are all doing it. And then it gets down to the end. He raised up for his people a horn, verse 14 says. Praise of all saints. And then the last phrase says, praise the Lord. And it's you, praise the Lord. Now, if you look just two psalms over, the very last psalm, Psalm 150, the same thing happens. I won't tease it all out. But it calls on all these things, and it says, make loud noises, do do whatever it takes to to do this. All through the psalms, it's talking about how creation does that, the sky and the stars. And then when it calls on people, it says in verse 6, let everything that has, pra- has breath praise the Lord. And the last phrase is not just a general statement. That one is in the Hebrew is talking about you. It's an emphatic you. Hey, you. Yo, you. Okay, t- turn to somebody and go, Yo, you. Come on, come on, do it. You. Praise the Lord. Say it again. You. Praise the Lord. Good old gospel meeting. Come on. Here's the point of that. The truth that God has said is everything that's created has, has, has one purpose and everything that has been created cooperates with that purpose. The last one to do so are the image bearers. The, the ones who have a will that choose sometimes not to bring glory. Now the world's fallen and, and broken. 
But the sky and the moon and the stars and nature, it's still fulfilling its purpose. It's still existing. Just by its very existence, it's calling out to nature and going, we're just showing off for the one who made us. Bring glory to him. And then the call comes down and says, okay, now what about you? It's time for us to step up. Time for us to make the statement. All that's happening. Psalm 1-3, he puts it this way. All right, praise the Lord. You as angels. Here, here's the same pattern again. You as angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts. You his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. And the same thing comes down to me and says, now praise the Lord, my soul. It's time for me. It's time for me to make that statement. And there's a way I make that statement. See, I attach my, my specific uh, situation to it. And the way I can do that is in this phrase. Your children dancing. All right, now I'm just going to pick on you for a minute here. We got a few dancers in the house, and their whole people, a bunch of us in the room, we, see the, we sang it this morning, dancing, dancing, dancing. We go, yeah, I don't know about that stuff, you know. Um, you know, that's, what will people think? Somebody puts a vine on, on, you know, on the internet, and it's me dancing. Ooh, you know, let's, I'll just say it. But see, here's the difference. We attach our specific situation to that. How we do that. How, so we, so the, the truth is, everything that exists, including human beings, image bearers, are called on to lift up something that exhilarates and brings praise. To call it out and to do it in, in a way that's noticeable. Well, the way we do that is to wholeheartedly, even recklessly, unreservedly say, I'm going to display and I'm going to articulate my contribution to one who's above me and who deserves all the praise. If there's any place in my life that I'm going to be unreserved, it's here. This, and and that's, we, we used, used to sing a song around here called um, uh, Undignified. And it's taken from the life of David where he's the... the after a victory, the Ark of the Covenant's being brought up, which represents the presence of God. And he's out in front, and he's just wearing shorts, and he's just dancing and twirling and everything. And he kind of gets accused by his wife, like, whoa, man, you, really? Do you, is, that, is that what you want to do? Is that what the king is supposed to do? Aren't you supposed to be more dignified? And this is his response in 2 Samuel 6. I will celebrate before the Lord, and I will become even more undignified than this. I'll be humiliated in my own eyes. I am willing to do that if that's what it takes to say that I'm going to take my place. I'm going to, I'm going to be... I, nature is not going to leave me behind in saying that I exist for the glory of the maker and I'm going to show that in, what, in the loudest way I can and the most pronounced way I can so that people can understand it. I don't care how I'm viewed. I don't care what people are going to think of me. Let me ask you... That question, do you? Okay, let's attach your, our circumstances to it. Do you care what people think of you? Who you stand with? Do you care how you're perceived, what your reputation is, how dignified you appear? What they might say about you, how, what it might cost you to say, I exist for one reason and one reason only, it is to bring glory the Most High God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And then to ask ourselves, am I willing to say, I don't care? I don't care how I'm viewed. And, and so I can stand, and then I declare this directly to Him to say, I am willing, whether you dance or not is up to you, okay? I'm not 
It's not the point. The point is whether your heart and your life are willing to say to him, I will do whatever it takes for you to bring glory to yourself in my life. I'm making that statement. And then it culminates. And the song culminates with the last part, and it goes something like this. truth statement all glory whatever glory is 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 all supposed to go one place all glory and honor and praise is supposed to go to him you know here's something that's true about glory glory is innate to the person of the godhead glory is surrounds god glory is is this powerful um it's hard to even describe what it is, but glory is, is innate to God and glory is toxic to human beings. If a human being is given glory, it will eat from the core of that person. It will destroy that person. It was never intended to be around a human being or created being. It was all, it's a, it's a property of God himself. And so, but the thing is, we crave glory. We'd like, we like the look of glory. We'd think it'd be, look good on us. And God calls us to say the true statement is all the glory needs to go to God. And you'll see that this is not just, hey, everybody, let's say praise words. There's a real statement there. We're going to direct the glory to God. First Chronicles 29, 11, it gets quoted, a psalm was made out of this. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and on earth is yours, O Lord. In the kingdom you are exalted as head over all. All glory is, goes to him. So David Geffen gives a, a $100 million to the Lincoln Center, and they name a building after him. And they got all these things where buildings are named after people. Can I tell you that if... Nothing personal about Geffen, but we shouldn't be naming buildings about for ourselves if you give a whole lot of money somewhere do me a favor don't put your name on it because that's bringing some glory somewhere else i told years ago i told the guys who are the elder team here i said look if i die around here would you uh, don't ever name anything for me around you i'm telling you the truth it, if you name something after me i'm gonna come back so help me i'm gonna haunt you and their response was name me something after you <laughs> don't worry They probably name if something somebody breaks something. They would name that after me because that would remind them. So on your left, you'll see the Leonardo Memorial leaking toilet. That that would be the kind of thing. Okay, so gl- 
glory is, is reserved entirely for God. Now, we go, yeah, of course, of course. But ask yourself this question. That, that's the true statement. But ask, ask yourself the question. Do I kind of find ways that I like getting credit? I want to be noticed. I want to be acknowledged. Isn't that true for us? Don't you feel tweaked sometimes when you're not getting enough credit for something you did or somebody else gets it? I mean, come on. Doesn't that feel unjust to us? The truth statement is that all the glory goes to God. And and then the statement is, not to us, but to your name be the glory. And that comes straight out of Psalm 115. The whole song comes straight out of Psalm 115. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and your faithfulness. Now, what we do is we make that true statement, but then you attach your specific situation to it. What is it that right now you're kind of tweaked about that you're not getting noticed enough for? Not getting enough credit for? Can I ask it this way? What, what right now have you been positioning yourself in such a way that you'll get noticed for it? Or could take credit for it? There's subtle ways we steer conversations or for people to discover things or people to compliment us. And is your voice, here's how I attach myself, is my voice right now ready to join in with others to, to contribute to the acclaim and the glory of the one who made me? To, to unite with them and to say, look, the angels are bringing glory to God, the mountains are bringing glory to God, a bunch of other people are doing it, I'm jumping in too. Are you doing that? One of the most profound things that was ever said to me I was a fairly young man. I was doing ministry stuff. I was doing a lot of traveling and speaking. And I, and I had the opportunity to have lunch with a guy who was a well-known co- uh, speaker and traveler. And uh, he later died in a, a tragic um, airplane accident. Dan DeHaan is his name. And, and I wanted to get pointers from him because I was going to go do the traveling evangelist thing. I was already doing some of it. And I wanted to, he was doing more of it. And I said, you know, I was asking him, how do you, how do you position yourself? How do you do this kind of stuff? And, he, and I just met the guy we had lunch and he sat down and he said something that I did not want to hear. I did not like it and to this day it bugs me. And he said, Tom, here's my advice to you. Don't work to see how quickly you can get yourself in the spotlight. Work to see how long you can keep yourself out of it. I did not want to hear that. Can I tell you that in my own life, the journey of my life has God in his mercy been walking me through a road where he has taken that statement and he's embedded slowly in it to me. He's dealt with the diseases that I carry for the glory. And he has shown me that the way to go is not to see how quick to get myself in the spotlight. See how long I can keep myself out of it so that the spotlight goes to him. Now here's what's significant about this song. We, when we were launching as a church, we spent seven years meeting in the movie theater on the other side of the freeway. Carried our stuff in. Some of you were around, in, out every week. It's hard. And then this building came available, but it was a battle. And if you ever talk to somebody who was here during that time, they will tell you you can't hardly put into words the, the stretching of faith and the struggles and the power things. And the, I mean, we fought and we were 
told we were dead in the water so many times. It is, when you come in here, if, you, if you're new around here, you don't have no idea that you're sitting here is a tribute to amazing stuff. The kind of stuff that God does, you hear about happens to other people, but never happens to you. We got to have that happen. And when we were getting ready to move in here, and I really can't even overstate it, Dan and I were talking about what is the first thing we want to do in here, and we and he, he went looking for a song that we could sing that would say, what is the most significant thing we could say? When we come in this place and we say, we have got an outpost for the gospel to reach this place, we want to be faithful to it, we want to be grateful for it. He looked and he found what was at the time a relatively new song. This is that song. When we got in here, the very first thing we did was we sang a song and we stood and we said, we exist for one purpose and one purpose only. It is to bring glory to the Most High God, the Creator of heaven and earth, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the One who is the Savior of our souls. We, our world exists for that. We exist for that. He has brought us here, and we are going to stand up, and we're going to lock arms, and we're going to declare to Him again a commitment that we have made. That as long as we have breath, and as long as we are here, as long as our lives are still going, we're going to fight the... The, the flesh within us that wants to take glory for ourselves or take our agenda, we're going to release ourselves entirely to what God wants to do. We're going to present ourselves together with people around us and we're going to say, this is what we want to say. Not to us, God. Not to us be the glory, but to you be the glory. All glory and honor and power, all of it go to you, God. When you worship, I invite you to think about what you're saying. Would you take these principles? But even now, we want to invite you to that exercise one more time. Would you do it with us? We're going to ask you to stand. These guys are going to lead us into that praise. And we ask you to put your heart into it and join us with that.